Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Michael. So did you know that one of the stations were on uh, 97.5 FM? Uh-huh. It went to country. Really? Yeah. I On my way to the work the other day, I, I could swear, because I listened to it on the way to Grand Rapids and around Coopersville, I lose the signal. Uh-huh. And I, I swear it was just regular pop music. Okay. Way home, it's country. Hmm. Which, whatever. I don't listen to a whole lot of country. I haven't in a long time, but I, I left it on. Didn't bother me. So the next morning on my way back to work, it pops on. And I'm going to tell you what, I, you know what? Everyone says country songs are depressing. And I think it's a point of reference, but it's this new song. I, Cause I, I looked it up a little bit cause I wanted to figure out what it was. Mm-hmm. Something about, and I can't rhyme it. What was it? It was something like, she is my everything, the girl of my dreams, but it's not my truck in her driveway. I mean, she's my girl, my whole world, but that ain't my truck. How do you know it? 20 years old. No. Yes. No, no. Promise. It was from 15. I looked it up. Nope. You know what? Fine. Here. Let me go to my friend Google. Ain't my truck in her drive. Boom. Video. Added to YouTube in 2015. All right. So it's 2015. Although. Date of the song. Hold on. 1995. His picture looks kind of. Right. Right, right. Listening to that song since I was 10. Uh, so, all right. What, you know what? That doesn't matter. You're missing the point here. So he talks about that. That's my girl, my whole world, but it ain't my truck. Dude, yep. your girl bought you a new truck. That's what I thought. Doubtful. Like, like here you are thinking that she's cheating on you. And all she did was buy you a new truck. No, it could. Nope. That's not how country songs work. That's the way I took it. I'm like, you need to just go in. You're going to get the keys. No. Maybe not. Welcome to Fireproof Your Finances, a show with 30 minutes of real questions, real concepts, and real answers. Your hosts are Michael and Vanessa Markey, a husband and wife duo with a playful on-air dynamic and common sense approach toward teaching listeners how to take control of their finances. Michael is the numbers and strategies guy who is passionate about solving financial issues. The standard deviation, I mean, I'm talking about standard deviation as well, but they talk about the, the beta, the alpha, the standard deviation of the particular uh, mutual fund allocation that we're looking at. Vanessa is the down-to-earth voice of reason, pulling his reins in. Okay, but your $5,000 couch isn't going to turn around and pay for something if you have a catastrophic event. This philosophy has led Michael and his firm, Legacy Financial Network, to receive national recognition from being named one of the 10 most innovative agencies in the country by AM Best, to being deemed a local celebrity from Insurance Newsnet magazine and a hero to the insurance industry from Life Health Pro. He has even been given the Moving America Forward Award from William Shatner. And now, here are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa Markey. Welcome, everyone, to Fireproof Your Finances. I am your host, Michael Markey. With me is the lovely... Always right. No. You happen to be right. Always right. Wife. Vanessa. Hi, everyone. So while we were waiting for the intro, I looked up the lyrics. Did you know this thing start? Let me read you the first. I I don't even want to do the show on this, but the first three lines. Give you the entire indication that that truck is not his. Yeah, I get that now. I only heard the end. Right. But it's, she's been going out with him. She's been going out with me. She'd said, she, wait, said she'd let us know by tonight. 
which one it would be. Hold on a minute. Knock, knock. Who's there? Backbone. Backbone who? Backbone, where are you? Are you kidding me? She's been going out with you and some other dude, and you're like, well, I guess I'll see. I wonder if it's like Publisher's Clearinghouse. I wonder if I won. Tell him what he's won, Bob. This is why country music is depressing. If you win, you have to go get penicillin. Wow. Okay. Well, it talks about his shadow. And now the guy becomes a creeper and is standing out there for hours watching this all go on. Look at this. This went down a rabbit hole that you should not have started. I guess not. No. Well, let's move on. So tell our listeners, what what are we going to learn on today's show? Other than if the girl's dating two of you, it's time to bow out. We're going to learn about stock market crashes. Okay. So recessions. Recessions. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching your children about finance. Right. And... We should get to the life insurance we pushed off last week, but I can already tell you. I can guarantee that's not going to happen based on your ramblings. So we'll have to push it off another week. I apologize. I could go into another gear, faster gear. No, you're already hard enough to understand. But before we dive in, I'm just going to apologize. I'm a little stuffy if you can't hear it. And I would just like to point out a couple of days ago, started mm-hmm. coming down to this. I don't know if it's allergies or a cold because it's that time of year. It's above 32 degrees. And your lovely host here tried to put me into a coma. You know what? I I thought you might. Okay, go ahead and tell this story. Yeah. And I thought you might bring this up. I have something for you. So I don't know if it's allergies or a cold. So I said, how about we start with the Allegra? So he grabs the little sleeve of pills out and tosses them to me. And I go, what does the box say I should take? Why are you playing this? The snow glows white on the mountain tonight. Queen. Where does she say let it go? The wind is. Let them in, don't let them see. Well, now they know. Go ahead, tell me your story now. Go ahead. Why don't you? No, you got to go. Okay. Well, anyway, so he throws me the sleeve of Allegra, and I said, how much does the box say to take? He goes, I don't know, just take all four in there. I look at him, and I'm like, yeah, that's not right. One every 24 hours. This is three days later, and you're still talking about it. You know what you need to do? It was last night. You know what you need to do? Yeah. Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold you back anymore. You need to let it go. Right. Okay. Then stop complaining about your shoulder. That was like two months ago. I haven't been complaining. Uh Uh-huh. All right. So do you want to start with talking to your children about finances? Yes. Actually, I do because I think that's important. Okay. Um, well, as most of you know, well, those of you have been listening for a while, our oldest is not mine. It's from a previous relationship of Mike. So he's with us every other week. Mm -hmm. So obviously we have to have conversations with those, with his other parents. What you're saying is you didn't hatch him. Right. I did not hatch him. Hatch him. I did not physically carry him. Okay. So anyways, he's back and forth split time. So we were having a discussion with his mom the other day and she is of the mindset that you should not talk to your children about finances. Yeah. At all. But I do think we changed that a little bit. I think you had a very valid point. And isn't that true though of a lot of parent children relationships though in West Michigan? Right. I People, it's like my business is my business and it's none of yours and you'll figure it out eventually. Well, and she had two reasons for saying that you didn't need to talk to him about it. Number one was 
it's none of his business. Right. And number two, he shouldn't be, he should only be worrying about like toys and playing and schoolwork, not finances. But here's the thing. He's almost 12. Exactly. And let's look at it this way. What's one of the number one, what's one of the biggest stressors in people's lives? Money. What's one of the biggest sources, consequences of divorce? Money. And what's one of the things that, so you got something that's that stressful. It divides people. It can become a wedge. We've seen that. We've talked about it. Right. And when we have failures with it, it hurts. Mm-hmm. How, how often do we share those, though? Aren't those teaching people moments? Don't. People don't ever share those because they don't want to feel like a failure. If you chopped off a finger because you misused a table saw, you didn't follow the safety protocol. You're going to make up a story that something else happened. You think so? Yes. So my dad chopped off part of his finger that way on a chop saw, not a table saw. And he used that as a teaching moment, you know, when later on he was teaching me how to use it, why it was so important to listen to the safety procedure. Well, that's smart. But, you know, and I get why you would say that initially, but I've had clients, I've got one in particular that I think he should never use a table saw again because... He didn't learn from the first four fingers? I don't know how many he's missing. I don't know this person. It's two now, though. Oh. It went one, then two, not at the same time, different instances. Right. But those are teaching moments, things that we physically have pain with. I think we teach our children when we tell them about you should wear you should wear knee pads. What do we do? We tell them about a time when we didn't. Helmets. Helmets. Sunscreen even. Yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> Let's say I want to come back to this. I think okay. it's important. I think it's a big failure in a lot of West Michigan families not to do it. But I want to expand a little bit on that conversation. And then we have to get into, well, here's a little trivia. Economists should be able to predict a recession. And I don't I don't mean like a Nostradamus like forecast, like, well, in 20 years. If I asked them to do it the year of, they should get it right more times than not, right? Right. And if I said by April of the year that we're in a recession, how many do you think this is their job? How many should get it right? Two, all of them. So three, well, okay, not all of three them. Three quarters? Yes. All right. When we come back, we'll we'll give you how many they actually over the last 20, 30 years, have been able to accurately predict. Let's take a quick break. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to grmusiclessons.com. That's grmusiclessons.com. United Airlines makes it easy to fly from Muskegon County Airport with a travel-friendly schedule and competitive airfares. Haven't flown from Muskegon in a while? Fly locally with a short commute and parking located just steps from the terminal. Check-in and security lines are never more than 50 passengers per flight. At the end of your trip, get your bags quickly and be home in no time. Flights depart daily at 6.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. Starting mid-February, the evening flight arrives at 11.20 p.m. to maximize return flight options from most locations. It pays to check Muskegon first at united.com. Welcome back, everyone, to segment two of Fireproof Your Finances. Before we dive in, Mm -hmm. make sure you check us out on Twitter. Right, at Fireproof Show. 
on Twitter. Dot com. Yes. Yes. I will make sure Mike tweets something today or tomorrow to catch back up again. I do. I'll do two or three times in one day and nothing for a week. I got to get better at it. It's just hard. Right. And it's, I, as we've started to use it, I will think of things that I want to tweet, but then I forget about it and then I don't do it. And then it seems completely inappropriate later. Right. Kind of like you forget to text your wife that you're going to be super late. I but anyway, you were sleeping. Anyways, back to talking to your children about finance. So, but I was late and I've got a message for you. Wait a minute. You did slam the door, though. Not on purpose. Uh-huh. Not on purpose. But if you would like to come sleep back in our room now that your shoulder's better, you're not helping yourself. I accidentally broke the door jam. Yeah. Okay. So, talking to your children about finances. Well, one of the examples, though, and I think this is important to share with kids. Right. You know, And I'm, I'm not saying you need to sit down, pull out the spreadsheets, and go accountant style on them. If they'll do it, I think that'd be great. Okay, well, very basic, like, to start out with. If it's not something they're interested in, sit down and be like, hey, you want brand new rollerblades that are $500. Let's go over the math here. Here's one of the examples, though, that we discussed as a group. Right. So we don't buy new cars. We don't lease new cars. I, I, I like buying them older. I hate, hate. Car payments. And depreciation. Right. Drives me nuts. If you think about it, you buy a $30,000 car and you know in six years it's going to be worth ten grand, Or you just drive it off the lot and it's worth twenty five. That part doesn't That part doesn't necessarily bother me as much oh, as that knowing me crazy. in five years I'm losing twenty grand. It's all. Oh. Right. So and anyways. One household though, they, they lease a new car. Okay? Right. Or buy. Or buy. Yep. And it's almost always newer. It's every, it, it seems every two, three years. Yes. Ish. So essentially... Always have a car payment. And so, he, you know, he's old enough that he's starting to see the differences. So he asks us, he's like, well, why is it that, you know, your, we've got older cars here and my other mom is buying a new car. It, what's better? And you got to kind of be careful in that. I mean, talk about a landmine that you're stepping into. Or right. Potentially. Yes. And so we then asked him questions like, well, you know, you're going to have depreciation. I had to explain to him what depreciation was and interest. You have to explain those things to him. Mm-hmm. But I go, you know, we're, we're buying them older because I want as little of that as possible. But in exchange for not getting that, we have repairs potentially. Correct. I'm like, but technically you could have repairs and maintenance on a new car too. Yeah. you. There are so many people who buy brand new cars that it ends up. Or say a two-year car that's or, out of Yeah, warranty. or that. Yep. And so he can't, you know, we gave him enough information for him to come up to his own conclusion. And that may sound basic. But how how candid do you get with them? I'm more than happy to tell them exactly what we paid for a car, exactly what we have into it in repairs, and say, had we, you know, had we bought this, had we gone new, it would have been 35, and in five years it'd be worth this, or this is what we think. Here's what it would be a month to buy it. We did that. He wanted to, I thought this was a cool thing. He wanted to understand the reasoning behind it. Well, and where I was going is he wanted to buy a car for one of his grandparents. Yeah. And, you know, he just said, and I, I said, well, why don't they buy it themselves? Well, they can't afford it. I go, well, how would you afford it? He goes, right. well, you're I'll, 11 and don't have a job. No, I, I wasn't even giving that, you know, impression to him. I go, well, how would you afford it? He goes, well, I'd have to work. And I go, well, 
how many, you know, if, if it's 25,000 for the car, divided by five, that's $5,000 a year, call it 6,000 with interest, $500 a month, how many hours would you have to work? And we did all this backwards. And, and then I, you know, I go, well, could your grandparent work though? Well, yeah, of course they could. I go, so what, how much would they have to work? And as a team between grandma and grandpa, how much would they have to work? You know, if they split it up. Right. And we did all of this backwards and he finally came to this conclusion. He goes, dad, I go, what? He goes, if they work more, they can afford it. Yeah. And then <laughs> here was the best part. He said, but if they're not willing to work for it, why would I work for them so they can have it? And I said, I don't know. Right. I have no idea why you would do that. I don't know why you would ever do something for somebody they weren't willing to do themselves. I'm good with you doing things for others that aren't capable of doing something right. for them. Or say, said grandparents, something happened to one of them or whatever, and they just were incapable of right. being able to do that. If you're not capable, help. But if they're not willing, why would you be willing to do something somebody else isn't willing to do for themselves? Right. And that's a good example. So he took that as kid to, or grandchild to grandparent, right? Why would I do it that? But do you do that as grandparent to grandchild or parent to child? Right. Do you ever do things for your child they're not willing to do themselves but they can do it. Right. Let's take our last break. It's a good time for a break. And then we're going to come back and talk about accuracy of economists predicting recessions. Michael. What? Just because we don't have a car payment doesn't mean that you get to go on eBay and buy whatever you want because it was a good deal. All right. So a lot of our listeners know I probably have a problem when it comes to vehicles. We have old classics, even some new classics. We got UNX limo. We even have a fire car. How do you find a place that can do everything? All those different type of vehicles, transmissions, oil changes, little repairs, big repairs. It's pretty hard. I've been taking all of our cars to Global Auto Works in Grand Haven for at least the last five years. And Mike asks the hard questions that nobody seems to be able to answer. So if he can trust them, so can you. If you're having car trouble, go to Global Auto Works. Their phone number is 616-499-4451. That's 616-499-4451. Say Mike and Vanessa sent you. Their number is 616-499-4451. 499-4451. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again, grmusiclessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to grmusiclessons.com. That's grmusiclessons.com. Welcome everyone to the final segment of Fireproof Your Finances. We are your hosts. It always goes by way too fast. If you haven't guessed, you're not getting the life insurance talk today. No, we're not. <laughs> and you know what? If you're sitting there complaining about, I want to hear about the life insurance, I've got a message for you too. Let it go. Let it go. Have I... Uh, Overstayed your welcome. <laughs> All right. So let's bring up some articles that from Forbes, Bloomberg. We have to go at a fast pace here. So I apologize to everyone. Okay? I'm going to do my best to tone it down a little bit to help everybody else understand what he's talking about. Here's one from Bloomberg Business. Read this for me. So since 1988, the IMF, which is... The International Monetary Fund. Gotcha. The IMF has never 
forecast a developed economy recession with a lead of anything more than a few months. Ever. And this is a paper written by, oh, I saw his name earlier, something Prakash. Uh, I don't have it. We'll find it later. Right. Okay. Um, let's go here. Oh, Prakash Langani. Yes. Um, in this paper from 2000, though, he cites that 60 recessions recorded since 1989. So this is in around the world in 63 different countries. How many did economists accurately predict? Two. Here's what got me. Now, that was two by April the year before. That's it. And then two-thirds remained undetected in the April of the year that they actually occurred. So we said earlier that people, that an economist who's you know going to tell us whether we're in a recession or not, at least two-thirds or three-quarters should know it by April of the year we're in. Right. But it's the opposite. Two-thirds had no clue that we were in a recession a third of the way through the calendar year. Right. That baffles me. But here's the thing. We've said before, we've done shows on this, that bull markets, unlike actual bulls, bull markets don't die because of age. They die because the fundamentals get bad. Right? Right. So I looked some things up because if the fundamentals go bad, economists should be able to accurately predict them. Am I off my rocker here? No, because it's all, quote unquote, in the math. Right. So the numerical value should show us these things. And who's the group that moves the needle most on, you know, stock market, the, the gains or losses? It's not people like you and I. Right. It's the big companies that are. The institutional yeah. investors, the ones controlling the mutual funds and hedge funds. We're talking billions, if not trillions at a time. Right. They move the needle. Do you think if I asked, if I researched, if I, you know, if I was able to um, interview one, if I said, hey, does your team react on emotion or do you react on fundamentals? What what, what are they going to tell me? Fundamentals. Absolutely. There's no emotion in it. Oh, wait, it's, it's all a, in the mouth. Yeah, it's just fundamentals. Watch this. Their actions don't line up with their words. Okay. September 15th, 2008. Okay. Lehman Brothers files for bankruptcy. Sends the financial world in a tizzy. Okay? Yep. Let's look at MetLife in 2008. Here's an article. I think this was in Forbes. Let's see. Yes, from Forbes. And it's titled, this is from a few years ago, MetLife Takes the Lead. And I go down about halfway. Okay? Mm -hmm. And it says, but this elephant has a habit of resisting federal lures dating back to 2008. Okay. When MetLife, unlike fellow insurer AIG, didn't take a treasury rescue. They didn't take government bailout is what it's saying. MetLife also had the temerity to actually make money during the crisis years. Am I missing something or are they saying MetLife made money, MetLife got stronger? Right. MetLife did not have a problem during the crisis. So September 15th, 2008. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. What's MetLife stock trading for? So let's look this up. Go to MetLife. I can find it. Uh, I've got it up, but I had it on the wrong date because I had it for the next one. September 15th, 2008. Stock price closes. Opens at 53.05. Closes at 53.71. Call it 53. Okay. Is MetLife, this is the day Lehman Brothers files for bankruptcy. Is MetLife a week later, a month later? Are they fundamentally any different? No. Do they have fewer assets? No. Do they have fewer employees? No. Are their employees less intelligent a month later than they were today, that day? Hopefully not. Well, this is before weed got legal. <laughs> right. So I'm going to go with no. 
There's no re and this is a company we know didn't take government bailout, was doing fine and thrived in the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. There's nothing fundamentally different. Am I right? There's nothing fundamentally different about them the day after Lehman Brothers files for bankruptcy than the day before. Correct. Therefore, the market should not punish them. Right. One month later, they close at $34. Ouch. $20 less. That's almost 40%. Right. And fundamentally, nothing changed. But of course, that's just... And by the way, you know how much research I did to find these? Like 10 seconds. I've been talking about it with people and I keep going, you know, I should look this up. So I figured we're doing a radio show. I'll look it up. Okay, excuse me. 20 because he struggles with the one-handed thing. Yes. I did it while we were watching a show with the kids. Right. Normally don't do that. I did it tonight. Go back to 2001, 9-11, September 11th. Mm -hmm. A couple idiots jump in a plane and hit some buildings. Right. Domestic terrorist attack. Biggest we've ever had. Guaranteed to go to war. Yes? Yes. Absolutely. People were signing up the day of. Let's go to Ford Motor Company. A manufacturer. Ford Motor Company. Now, I can't look at September 11th. The market didn't open. Closed. It's closed then for, I think, five or six days. Yeah, I believe so. September 10th. It's trading. It closes at 1940. Started at interday high, 1955. It's over 19 bucks a share. Mm -hmm. Now, what is historically? Now, I know historically doesn't mean always, but historically what happens after war and during war? The economy typically boosts because places like Ford are a manufacturing company, so they manufacture stuff for the war instead of cars. Now, maybe you could argue that we thought we were going to have a softening U.S. economy. But historically, and I get it, historically doesn't always mean always, but historically, it pushes us forward. Right. And Ford's a manufacturing company. Right. Well, and the other factor is, is you have people going overseas, so then that makes jobs available, so more people have to go work. Right. So fundamentally, is there anything different? I could actually make an argument fundamentally Ford's in a better position after we have a domestic terrorist attack in that case. Right. But negatively, negatively at least, can you really argue that fundamentally Ford is any different on September 12th than it was September 11th? No. I fast forward a little bit, okay? Because again, the market was closed for a little while. Here is September 21st, 10 days after the attack. I think three days after the market opens. Okay. Ford is now trading, closes the day at a little over $15. Oh. Over a $4 loss. Why? That's over 20%. On a company that's fundamentally no different than it was before. Right. Yet, institutional investors, Mike, they don't trade on emotions. They trade on fundamentals. Except for everything got shut down and therefore you, everybody was in an emotional mess. I mean, I was a freshman in high school and I didn't know what was going on. But it doesn't matter. Well, it shouldn't. Institutional investors don't have emotions. Baloney. And the markets don't move on emotions. Baloney. The markets move on fundamentals. Bull markets don't end because of age. They end because of fundamentals. And if they end because of fundamentals, economists should be able to tell us at least when we're in one in April of the year it happens. Based on the math. Yes. But they don't. They can't. They haven't. I can even go back to the 1930s. And if I go back to, or I'm sorry, the 20s. And if I go back to the 20s, what was it? Keynes. Last one. Keen, what did he say? I, I forget now. He said uh, two years before the stock market uh, crashed, he said, we will not have any more crashes in our time. And a week before, a couple weeks before 
the actual crash, the Great Depression starts, a famous professor, economics professor at Yale, said, stock prices have reached what looks like a permanently high plateau. I do not feel there will be soon, if ever, a 50 or 60 point break from present levels such as they have predicted. I expect the market to go a great deal higher within a few months. You won't see it coming. You're 10 years into the longest bull market we've ever had in U.S. stock market history ever. Stop trusting all the fundamentals because when it turns, it turns really fast. And by the time you know it's turned, we will already be there. Right. Do you have a plan B? Are you prepared? That doesn't mean get out of the market. It means that you have to have a plan B. You have to have some safe money. And the, a lot of people I talk to, I'm going to end it with one simple question. If you can't absorb an 08 like you did 10 years ago because you're so much closer to retirement, what are you doing differently today? What have you changed? Anything? You should. There's ways to do it. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank everyone for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Till next week, this has been another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. God bless. This has been Fireproof Your Finances. For more information, contact Michael J. Markey Jr. of Legacy Financial Network. Call toll-free at 855-LF-NETWORK or online at LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Mike Markey and Legacy Financial Network are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.